I truly believe that this bill proves the voice of the people will be heard. Uh, we'll see, Mr. President. A good first step, though. Well done. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's one reason. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it's not. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso and Eugene, Oregon's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle's KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. And yes, we stream coast to coast and around the globe every day for your listening pleasure on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Bird and Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth 5. Days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all around swell fellow, says me from Bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast on just another slow summer news day. Desi <laughs> Doyen. Yeah, it's wild, isn't it? So the U.S. Senate finally passed its $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill. The governor of New York resigns amid a sexual harassment scandal and a likely impeachment. And in truth, I don't have time for either of those stories right now. So let's just fly through, hit those quick. Uh, in the case of New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, he finally came to terms with the inevitable, it seems, on Tuesday. He will be leaving office in two weeks, though not sure why he's not leaving today, after a report from the uh, state attorney general found that he had sexually harassed some 11 women, most of whom had worked for him, leading to calls for his resignation from pretty much every elected official from New York and from the president of the United States, even as the New York uh, State Assembly was on the verge of impeaching him. Happily, because governors matter, the uh, 63-year-old third-term Democratic governor, uh, who emphatically denies intentionally showing any disrespect toward women uh, and calls the allegations, quote, politically motivated uh, against him by his own staffers, politically motivated, and the Democratic attorney general, politically motivated, happily, he will now be replaced by Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul, a 62-year-old Democrat and former member of Congress herself. She will become the state's 57th governor and the first woman 
to hold the post in the uh, Empire State's history. About time, and I guess it is a poetic justice of a sort. More on why elections and governors matter in a moment. Meanwhile, in Washington, D.C. today, there was a big, a big victory for now for President Biden. With a robust vote after weeks of fits and starts, the Senate approved a $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure plan on Tuesday. A rare coalition of Democrats and Republicans joining to overcome skeptics and deliver a cornerstone of President Joe Biden's agenda. The 69 to 30 tally included 19 Republicans and provides momentum for the first phase of Biden's Build Back Better priorities now headed to the House. Eventually, it will not be moving there anytime soon as House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has made clear that she will not allow it to come up for a vote in the chamber until after the Senate has passed the much larger Democrats-only $3.5 trillion reconciliation package that is to go with it. Just want to note for the record that the 19 Republicans in the Senate who voted for this uh, bipartisan infrastructure Mm -hmm. deal, only three of those 19 are up for re-election in 2022. Do you remember which ones they are? Murkowski, Hoven, and one other that I can't remember. All right. Two out of three ain't bad. Well done. (laughs) Anyway, the uh, process on this second part of this package, the all-important package uh, part of it that really could kill the entire thing if this can't get passed. This is a process now that may take months to uh, put this $3.5 trillion package together. It's part of the two-track plan that Democratic leadership devised pretty cleverly if they can pull it off to ensure that moderates in the party do not slip away after the bipartisan bill is finished and deprive progressives of their end of the bargain. That's the larger bill. Now is the moment that those on the left flank of the caucus have been waiting for to craft this reconciliation package with All sorts of stuff. If it goes according to plan, it would be the most sweeping and progressive piece of legislation, perhaps in a century. As is today's package, uh, the bipartisan package is the largest infrastructure bill since the creation of the interstate highway system back in the 50s. If the uh, Democrats can pull off this larger package under Senate reconciliation rules, that allow for uh, a simple majority vote, Joe Biden would be verging on FDR New Deal territory with that accomplishment. We shall see. With the filibuster intact for now, thanks to Senators Kirsten Sinema of Arizona and Joe Manchin of West Virginia, both Democrats, there is virtually no chance the Democrats are going to get another opportunity to pass anything momentous, at least, before the 2022 elections at which time Republicans could flip at least one chamber of, com- of Congress, Congress, either the House or the Senate, which would deprive Democrats of the ability to really legislate at all for the remainder of Joe Biden's first term. But make no mistake, this is an important first step on a still very long road, even if it's one that Democrats largely from both the center and the left say they are determined to pull off in the weeks and months ahead. We will see. For the record, I actually think they'll do it. At what cost? Well, that's the bigger question. We will see. President Biden took a uh, frankly well-deserved victory lap at the White House on Tuesday afternoon after passage of the bipartisan portion of this package. 
I truly believe that this bill proves the voice of the people will be heard and we can all come together to make a difference in people's lives. As you heard me say it before, and I apologize for repeating it, but there are no Republican bridges or Democratic roads. This is a moment that lives beyond the headlines, beyond partisan sound bites, beyond the culture of instant outrage, disinformation, and conflict as entertainment. This is about us doing the real hard work of governing. It's about democracy delivering for the people. This is about winning the future. It's about doing our job. This is about building an economy from the bottom up and the middle out, giving everyone a decent chance at a decent life. And by the way, when the bottom middle do well, the wealthy do very, very well. Nobody, nobody, nobody gets hurt. This is what I call governing and government doing its job. Well, the fossil fuel industry may get hurt, but that's a separate <laughs> issue for now. But uh, not the workers. There's carve-outs to help the workers. Thank you very much. Well said. And more on all of that, by the way, in our Green News Report a little bit later, if we have time. <laughs> all of this as the nation is heading back now into some very dangerous territory on the pandemic front, at least in parts of the country, largely run and tragically run by Republicans. The U.S. is now averaging more than 124,000 new virus cases each day. That is more than double the levels of just two weeks ago. It's the highest rate since early February, according to the New York Times database. Over the last two weeks, infections are up 118 percent. Deaths are up more than 100 percent. Almost all among the unvaccinated, even as some breakthrough infections continue to occur, as expected. But hospitals now and hotspots around the country are approaching or exceeding capacity yet again, as if we were partying like it's 2020 all over again. So here are a few of the updates on the uh, state of COVID-19 in the states of Arkansas, Texas, Florida, Mississippi, Louisiana, the hardest hit right now. Most of them led by Republican governors and or legislatures who seem to be hell bent on preventing local officials from requiring masks in their schools and communities. Many of them have been less than aggressive, shall we say, in getting their residents vaccinated and therefore these states have among the lowest vaccination rates in the country. Some of these numbers uh, may be out of date by now, as this information was largely from Monday, and it's getting very bad very quickly in these states. But, for example, on Monday in Arkansas, where Republican Governor Asa Hutchinson just a few days ago changed his mind about masks, expressing his regret at having signed a law that bans mask mandates in the state. Uh, he announced on Monday via Twitter that the state saw its, quote, largest single day increase in hospitalizations, which have now uh, eclipsed their previous high of covid hospitalizations, noting, quote, there are currently only eight ICU beds available in the state. Oh, the entire state. And of course, as I said, that was Monday. So I don't know if there's any beds left by now. Uh, he added that vaccinations reduce hospitalizations. That's true, Governor. Wish you'd have thought of that before you signed, signed that mask mandate. 
This in a state which uh, reportedly was forced to throw away some 80,000 vaccine doses just last week because they went unused. In Mississippi, the State Department of Health announced yesterday that there were 6,912 more cases of COVID-19 in Mississippi, 28 deaths, 153 ongoing outbreaks in long-term care facilities, The uh, public health uh, worker, a doctor in the uh, state, retweeted that announcement and added, quote, keep in mind, this will translate into around 500 new hospitalizations in coming days. And we now have zero ICU beds at level one to three hospitals. Wow. Uh, He added, we have more than 200 patients currently waiting in ERs for a room again. That was yesterday. Louisiana is in a similarly horrible uh, shape where a health health worker uh, tweeted out yesterday, quote, just finished a 24-hour call shift from hell. I just, she said, y'all, we're all really back at square one in Louisiana. No elective surgeries, multiple cold blues, code blues all at once. Endoscopy unit has been converted to uh, COVID step-down meds. It's absolutely demoralizing, she says, because this was all avoidable. That state, of course, is controlled by Republicans, but it has a Democratic-ish governor, John Bell Edwards. As Daily Coast, as a Daily Coast blogger notes, uh, he is responding by, quote, fasting and prayers, according to The Hill. No vaccine mandate for public workers or those in high-risk sectors, however. But maybe the fasting and the prayers will help. Uh, He did belatedly reinstate mask requirements in schools recently, which is decidedly not what the monstrous governors of both Texas and Florida are currently doing, even as their states are being overrun with completely avoidable infections, hospitalizations and deaths. Texas hospitals are being asked now to voluntarily postpone elective medical procedures. They are seeking out-of-state health care personnel to come to the state. They are op- opening antibody infusion centers, and they are finally increasing vaccine action centers. Oh, that's good. But Governor Greg Abbott will not budge, apparently, on his big government mandate that blocks smaller county, city, and, and even school governments from requiring masks, which studies have shown over and over help to slow the spread of the virus. Even as Abbott is asking hospitals to pretty please delay elective procedures to make some room for COVID patients, according to the Texas Tribune, he will not let local governments or schools require masks or vaccines. Happily, several school districts think that keeping their kids safe is a higher priority than playing along with Abbott's deadly Trumpy political agenda. Two of Texas's largest school districts are imposing mask requirements anyway, openly defying Abbott's executive order, prohibiting such mandates. Superintendents in Dallas and Austin have separately announced the requirements on uh, Monday with the leader saying that masking will help keep students and staff safe and slow the spread of the Delta variant of the coronavirus. Dallas Independent School District Superintendent Michael Hinojosa said this at a news conference on Monday. With the cases that are going up in our county, I was just talking to the county health officials yesterday. There are no more beds in Dallas public hospitals 
for students that may have the, uh, the virus. Uh, and so with those factors in, in play and knowing that I'm ultimately responsible for everything that happens in Dallas ISD, I, I, I notified my school board that I have the authority to execute the day-to-day -day operations of the district and I made this decision and you know I know I'll be held accountable for whatever decisions I make, but I, I would rather be safe than sorry. And so that's what I'm doing at this point. Good for him, Michael yeah. Hinojosa, the superintendent of the Dallas Independent School District. Independent school district. He says the uh, situation with the Delta variant has gotten, quote, significantly more urgent. Uh, that requirement begins on Tuesday. Dallas school leaders said the county health officials have reported hospitalizations are rising at a very fast rate among all age groups now, including children. The uh, Dallas district said, quote, students under 12 are not eligible for a vaccine. However, school attendance is mandatory and virtual learning is not an option at this time. That, of course, because they've stopped giving them money for that. So what are they to do? The only protection that these kids have is wearing a mask. The Austin Independent School District, the fifth largest in the state, also imposed the same mask mandate. It begins on Wednesday for the district's 125 schools. Superintendent Stephanie Elizalde, I think I hope I'm pronouncing that right, made the announcement during a school board meeting on Monday. The board's president, Geronimo Rodriguez Jr., said at the meeting that the mask requirement for students, staff and visitors is to help protect children who cannot be vaccinated at this time. Again, COVID-19 shots are not available for kids under 12. Elizalde said in a statement, quote, I am responsible for the safety, health and welfare of each and every one of our students and our staff. If I must err, I will err on the side of ensuring that we have been overly cautious, not that we have fallen short. The Austin school system pointed to a recent guidance by the CDC in making its decision, saying that the recommended universal indoor masking at schools is what we should be doing. They say they saw a lower coronavirus positivity rate inside the schools than in the community at large when they required masks during the last school year. Abbott, the Republican governor, he issued an executive order back in May barring school districts as well as other government entities from requiring masks. Not from requiring vaccinations, which a case can be made, a poor one, but a case could be made by you know someone who, who doesn't think that you know, government should force shots into people. I guess you could make that argument. But in this case, it's a big government mandate to bar local governments and schools from requiring masks. This, as you know, the state is begging for medical workers from outside the state to come in and help them, and they've run out of beds. And you wonder why I will not describe these authoritarians as conservatives. They are not. This is the same governor who is threatening to arrest elected members of the state legislature in the middle of a special legislative session that he called and force them to attend it if they step foot back in the state. After leaving it to uh, after leaving the state to try and, and prevent anti-voting legislation by the GOP controlled state legislature, he wants to arrest them and force them to attend. 
Florida is simply losing the battle against COVID altogether. According to the Miami Herald, there were uh, more than 28,000 new cases on Saturday, more than 28,000 new cases on Sunday. Either number blasts the uh, state's past previous high of 24,000. That was on February. Uh, I'm sorry, that was on Friday. It blasts past that by more than 18%. And just for the record, those are all-time pandemic highs in Florida, not just during this latest surge. Their, their numbers are worse now than at any time during what we thought was the worst of this pandemic earlier this year and late last year. Hospital occupancy is now at an all-time high, higher than it was during the first surge in the spring of 2020 and the winter surge of 2020-2021. You are nailing it, Governor Ron DeSantis. This track record will be very helpful during your run for president, which, uh, you know, I mean, he doesn't seem to understand what part of keeping your constituents safe is I don't know what he's having trouble with. I don't know what any of these guys are having trouble with. It's like, are you kidding me? And now on Monday, NBC News reported that the deaths are rising even among the young. Six members of a church in Florida died of COVID-19 in less than two weeks. None of them were vaccinated. Four of them were healthy and under the age of 35. So how is DeSantis, who some now refer to as Governor Death Sentence, how is he reacting? Well, he's doubling down on death. On Monday, CBS Miami reports breaking. Governor Ron DeSantis' office released a statement to CBS4 that uh, the State Department of Education could withhold the salaries of superintendents and school board members who implement mask mandates. Seriously. Thankfully... The, the the superintendents, at least some of them, are not going for it. They don't seem to care. For example, Alachua County School Superintendent Dr. Carly Simon. No, not that one, though I bet she thinks this story is about her. <laughs> she had this spot-on response when asked by CNN about why she was mandating masks despite the edict from the authoritarian, not conservative Republican governor there. The governor should take the conservative step and do everything he can to protect the lives of our community. And that's what I'm doing. Listen, with that just said, because these are innocent kids that we're talking about, do you have any idea why he's doing this? I believe the governor has other interests that he's focusing on, and I'm right now focusing on education, and I would like him to let me do my job. Thank you. Good for her. The Miami-Dade superintendent uh, said something similar. He said, I don't care about the paycheck. Protecting my students is more important. So, yes, governors matter. Elections matter. Who you elect as your governor matters. It also matters very much in the swing state of Wisconsin today that they have a Democratic governor because thanks to his actions today, it will be easier to vote and harder to steal elections in the Badger State than it would have been had the anti-Democratic Republican authoritarians who hold the majorities in the legislature had their way. Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers vetoed a series of bills on Tuesday passed by the state's Republican-controlled legislature that would have imposed new restrictions on absentee voting, making it much harder for certain people to vote 
in the key battleground state next year. The Wisconsin bills are part of a nationwide push by conservatives to reshape elections and voting after President Donald Trump narrowly lost the second term to Democrat Joe Biden. Uh, Hey, AP, little hint here. Actual conservatives do not use their big government authority to adopt onerous restrictions on personal rights and freedoms like voting. When there is no good or compelling governmental or public interest reason for doing so. That is not conservatism. That is authoritarianism. That is tyranny. That is not conservatism. That is right-wingism. That is big government republicanism. But that is not conservatism. But the Republican Party does appreciate your kind gesture, AP. You know, maybe Democrats should just declare that they believe in heroism and that their policies are heroistic policies. So then, you know, mainstream media will you know, start having to describe their actions as heroic actions. Apparently, you could just call yourself anything you want. Mainstream media will dutifully parrot it back to the public. But I digress, sort of. This uh, these uh, bills that uh, Evers vetoed would have made it harder to vote, particularly for disabled people. It would require, for example, voter ID, even for people who are uh, housebound, elderly and housebound. They're going to have to with with disabilities. They're going to have to figure out how to make a copy of their photo ID if they have one every single time they want to vote by absentee. And by the way, they're going to have to apply for that ballot every single election. No more permanent uh, absentee list in Wisconsin. If the Republicans had had their way, thankfully they didn't because Governor Evers uh, vetoed those bills. Yay. So there is that, at least, you know, elections do matter. Governors do matter. Now, he also talked about uh, the fact that in Wisconsin, they're trying to subpoena election officials to get ballots and voting machines so they can do a uh, uh, an Arizona style audit there. He said, hell no, they're going to challenge those subpoenas from the Republican legislature. We'll see if they are successful there. I can't say I entirely agree with him there. I think that if people want to audit the results, they should be able to. But to turn over the ballots and the voting machines to third parties is not how this works. You run the risk of uh, uh, violating federal law, which requires that voting materials be retained securely for 22 months. And you risk decertification of millions of dollars in voting equipment, as is now happening in Arizona, thanks to the Maricopa County clown show going on uh, by the wingnut cyber ninjas. That's going to cost the state millions of dollars in taxpayer money to replace those systems. Wasteful, unnecessary spending, which is something that I'm pretty sure actually real conservatives used to be against back when words meant something. So uh, that's what's going on in Wisconsin today. But the madness, speaking of which, when it comes to uh, (laughs) this claim, these authoritarian claims that we need to change our laws to try to prevent what happened in 2020. What happened in 2020? Republicans lost an election. More on that silly Republican fight to pretend there was a stolen election last year. 
coming up on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. I see what you did there. (laughs) Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. So as you know, I'm no fan of the various electronic voting machine companies in this country. You may have heard uh, ESNS, Dominion Voting Systems, Heart Inner Civic, etc. But there is a right way to go after the crappy, dangerous, democracy-defying products that they make. And there is a wrong way. The right way is, as we have done for years and as we did once again on yesterday's broadcast with cybersecurity and voting systems expert Rich DeMillo of Georgia Tech's School of Cybersecurity, the right way is to cite independently verifiable evidence and science to support one's claim about the failings of their technology. The wrong way as the MAGA mob has done since last November, is to simply make up false and defamatory claims which result, as they should, in some very serious lawsuits filed by the companies who are being defamed by these clowns. Even as some since November have actually criticized me, did you know this? Incredibly enough, yes, for for giving these companies a pass, I guess. Oh, that's Uh, right. You know, I haven't gone after them hard enough because it's Donald Trump who uh, got screwed by their systems, they claim. You and your pesky facts, you mean? (sighs) Yes. I have done, of course, no such thing. It doesn't matter who has been screwed by the systems, if they have been, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, Greens, Libertarians, Independents, I have stood up for all of them over the years, and I will continue to do so. Yes, I would have even stood up for Donald Trump if he made any claims that actually made any sense. Nonetheless, there have been, uh, you know, a handful of clowns and clods and dopes who have who have gone after me at bradblog.com or or via email or Twitter or Facebook for not standing up against what they claim with absolutely zero independently ev- independently verifiable evidence to support them. That Donald Trump had his election stolen by Dominion voting systems machines and uh, by a Smartmatic, which doesn't even actually have any voting systems at all in this country other than here in Los Angeles. And I don't think the Donald Trump folks are claiming that Los Angeles was stolen. Are they? The week is young. Give it time. Anyway, while Dominion and another company, uh, that's the one named Smartmatic, uh, both of whom I've written about in great detail, critically, for years at bradblog.com and on this program, both of them have now launched a bunch of defamation suits against these right-wing loons who are making phony claims about the company's voting and tabulation systems. Today, Dominion launched yet another one. Dominion Voting Systems has filed yet more defamation lawsuits over false statements about the 2020 election, requesting $1.6 billion in damages from uh, each from uh, Newsmax, from One American News Network, and the XOverstock.com CEO and Donald Trump Magaloon by the name of Patrick Byrne. 
The suits add to a growing list for the voting machine manufacturer, which has separately sued former Trump lawyers Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell, and Fox News, according to Matt Shuham at TPM. The complaint spends uh, spend dozens of pages walking through the ragtag cast of characters that fueled the lies about the 2020 election. Both Byrne and OANN, that's the One America News Network, for example, promoted some guy named Edward Solomon, who they characterize as an expert mathematician who had evidence that Dominion machines manipulated votes. In fact, Dominion's OANN suit alleges Solomon was no expert mathematician, but rather, quote, a convicted drug dealer who never graduated college and whose current job was setting up swing sets in Long Island, New York. Doesn't mean he wasn't good at math, though. Just saying. The suit goes on to say uh, OAN manufactured, endorsed, repeated and broadcast a series of verifiably false yet devastating lies about Dominion. The uh, complaint against uh, the same claim was made in Delaware against Newsmax. The complaint against Byrne was filed in D.C. A spokesperson for Newsmax told TPM that while the network had not reviewed the Dominion filing and its coverage of the 2020 presidential elections, Newsmax simply reported on allegations made by well-known public figures, including the president, his advisors and members of Congress. They say Dominion's action today is clearly is a clear attempt to squelch such reporting and undermine a free press. Now, in truth, it will be interesting to see how uh, some of these suits against media outlets like Fox and Newsmax and OAN actually go. Is it a defense to say, hey, I was just you know, reporting on what this other guy said? I know I've, I've certainly done that here and at uh, bradblog.com, though I will usually try and examine the evidence you know, for the claims that they're making before simply giving it publicity just because someone said something, but it'll be interesting. For Byrne, Dominion uh, alleged that despite being repeatedly corrected on his falsehoods about the election, including by senior Trump advisors and by Dominion itself, quote, Byrne continues to stick to his manufactured, inherently improbable, profitable and demonstrable lies in televised appearances, a blog series, a book and a film. Byrne continues pushing the election fraud myth about Dominion to this day, they said. They punctuated the suit against OANN with quotes from a former producer at the network, a guy by the name of Marty uh, Gollingen. I think that's how you pronounce his name. In an interview with the New York Times in April that directly preceded his firing from OAN, Gollingen said employees at the network did not believe what they were presenting to their audience. The majority of people did not believe the voter fraud claims being run on the air. Gollingen told The Times, adding that some OAN employees hoped Dominion would actually sue the network. Quote, a lot of people said, this is insane, and maybe if they sue us, we'll stop putting stories like this out. So it's one thing to report what someone says. It's another to do so if you know that what they are saying is a lie, what they are saying is not true. That is, in fact, the very definition of defamation when it comes to reporting by the media. It's one thing to report something. It's another thing to do it after you already know that it is false. 
Nonetheless, in a statement to TPM, Byrne, the uh, former Overstock.com guy, apparently doubled down, quote, between the imminent release of the Maricopa audit and Mike Lindell's current activities in South Dakota, Dominion Voting is about to have a very difficult week, he said. They are simply doing this as a distraction. Okay, so uh, we've talked a good deal about the Maricopa <laughs> audit, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more when and if they ever come out with actual uh, an actual report. But about Mike Lindell's current activities in South Dakota... <laughs> where he, I, I believe, is set to hold some sort of uh, cyber marathon or something, I'm not sure what he's calling it, in which he claims that afterwards this will lead to Donald Trump being reinstated as president this month due to a 9-0 to ruling by the U.S. Supreme Court. And no, I'm not making that up. That is what this loon Lindell has actually claimed after releasing about three different videos that he describes as absolute proof the election was stolen. In fact, that's the name of the videos is absolute proof. I, uh, I referenced this yesterday during my uh, conversation with DeMillo, uh, Rich DeMillo on the show, as he is uh, one of the experts that CNN went to to get a response about Lindell's so-called absolute proof that the election was stolen. And he... DeMillo and all of the other experts that were consulted, pretty much all of whom have been guests on this program over the years, by the way, DeMillo described Lindell's absolute proof as absolute nonsense and absolute proof only of the fact that Lindell doesn't know anything about how elections work. Well, I have been having a conversation with a listener via email for the last week or so who has wanted me to have some of these loons on the show, some of the people making these claims, so that I could destroy them with facts and stuff. But as DeMillo himself noted on yesterday's program, why should we give these guys airtime at all? I have no interest in giving their nonsense any airtime, even, even if I were to counter them with facts. Even doing so actually privileges the lie, as it is said. Yes, it, it cements the lie in people's heads as they hear it, which makes it that much harder to eradicate with facts by repeating it, and even if you do just debunk it moments later. Yeah, so I have really no interest in doing that, no interest in making my show available for that yet. A vector for transmission. Correct, but CNN did. And I should say they did a very good job of it with a well-reported package that did not allow the liars to gain any ground on their airwaves with their lies. It was a pre-produced package so they could go to the experts and they didn't have to go round and round and round with, with Mike Lindell. But they gave him plenty of time to respond. You may have already seen this uh, since I think it went viral over the weekend, but I think it's worth airing. Just in case you haven't, here's a package from CNN's Drew Griffin, who, uh, frankly, has always been a bit of a right-winger himself over the years, in my opinion. Here he is absolutely burying the absolute proof of my pillow guy, Mike Lindell. My pillow CEO, Mike Lindell, continues to claim he has evidence that China hacked U.S. voting systems and switched votes for the former president to Biden votes. In a moment, you'll hear what two dozen election officials and cyber experts contacted by CNN say about those claims. Lindell is not backing down even as he faces a lawsuit from voting machine maker Dominion alleging he's defamed the company with his false accusations and Lindell's company is countersuing. 
Senator Griffin went to Minnesota to talk to Lindell about his claims that threaten democracy. Here's Drew's report. The MyPillow guy. Mike Lindell. Yes, the MyPillow guy is convinced. China hacked the election, Donald Trump really won, and Lindell has the absolute proof. They did it in all the states, every and they single state. changed the vote. Every single state. And you have the proof. Yes. That, that will capture. show. I, I have the whole the data. The actual them. exchange of votes. Yep. Yep. 100%. 100%. It is, of course, complete nonsense. Despite every piece of so-called evidence Lindell has presented so far, three videos, a lawsuit, screenshots he sent to CNN, there's still no proof that the election was hacked, and that's according to two dozen cyber experts and election officials contacted by CNN. 100% evidence. When Lindell released his so-called evidence in videos like this, Fact-checkers quickly found out it was evidence of nothing. These images are just publicly available voter data scrolling across the screen, not proof of election hacking. So Lindell changed his story, saying now the real evidence will be revealed at a cyber symposium, streamed live with MyPillow discounts available throughout. And as further proof, he sent CNN a preview, six different screenshots. You sent us this on Friday. Yeah. What is this? That's just one piece of 1.2 billion lines of data from the election. Okay. There's within that will be timestamps of when of when it happened. There'll be flips in there. So we sent this to our own experts. Mm -hmm. He said that, that it doesn't show any specific actions of any kind, election related or not, and it's proof of of nothing. Okay. So he said that's nothing, huh? Well, he's wrong. Then you didn't hire a cyber expert. We didn't consult just one cyber expert. We consulted nine top election security experts who told us Lindell's screenshots were extremely rudimentary metadata and completely ridiculous. We also reached all 15 officials from the 15 counties where Lindell says, without any proof, votes were hacked and switched. Lindell mentions some of the counties in his videos and lists them out in his counter lawsuit against Dominion Voting. They are counties that use paper ballots counted by systems not connected to the Internet. Every one of them told CNN there is no evidence they were hacked by anyone. You identify 15 counties where the votes were switched. We contacted all 15 counties, red and blue. Red and blue. And we couldn't find a single person that said this is even possible. They say, are you mistaken? Right. They think you're wrong. Right. The bottom line is they have paper right. ballot backups right. That's that good. prove that they were not. So you guys went and they let you audit there? They let you do a full audit, CNN? You guys did a full audit on 15 counties, huh? We did what Lindell did not do. We went to Delta County, Michigan to see how the election was carried out. Trump won here, nearly two to one. The state Michigan entry point owner, Delta County. In his videos and his lawsuit, Lindell claims someone in China hacked the election system here and stole away precisely 3,215 Trump votes and turned them into Biden votes. The Republican county clerk, Nancy Prezraki, finds the allegation laughable for one main reason. It is never connected to the Internet. Never. Never connected to the Internet at all, whatsoever. Not only are they not connected to the internet, the votes are cast by hand on paper. Voters scan their ballots into this Dominion scanning machine where two digital storage cards keep a tally. The paper ballot goes right into this bin under lock and seal. And that container is sealed. 
and just to check that everything went okay, they conduct audits, comparing the paper ballots to the results on the computer. And in 2020, it was an exact match. We audited three different precincts and they matched exactly, so. So what would you say to somebody who made a documentary that among many counties accused your county of being the victim of a, of a Chinese hack that changed the vote counts? I would say that didn't happen in Delta County. A Republican-led Michigan State Senate investigation found out it didn't happen anywhere. No evidence of widespread or systematic fraud. I don't think you really understand how votes are cast, collected, and tabulated in this country. Okay, the, you, you know what? I do. But what you don't understand is they can get, after they're tabulated, they can get hacked after the fact, which they were, because Donald Trump was going to win anyway. Donald Trump was going to win anyway. The paper ballots you which didn't were do an cast audit to match them up, were audited against the machine. No, they weren't. Count. No, they weren't. In these counties, no, they, they were. Monitored. No, they weren't. Who told you that? The county officials. Oh, who did they did tell it. you that? Well, they're going to have some answering to do. No matter who says there was no widespread fraud in the election, whether it's local election officials, secretaries of state, judges, or even Donald Trump's own attorney general, Mike Lindell's conclusion is the same. They are all wrong. All these county officials are lying? I don't know. They might be misconstrued. We'll say misconstrued because they don't realize what happened. Lindell says his information comes from multiple sources, all of them super secret. He claims he's spent millions on the project and also claims he will give $5 million to anyone who proves him wrong. Mike, you could you can make up anything. Who can? No, you can't. You, this you, is where you are, no, this you are is just where, going to have no, no, a no, demonstration. No, 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 no. no. This room. is where you're wrong. We're giving it to all the. We're giving it to the cyber people that show up. We're going to give them each state. Here's a state, Georgia. They can take it How apart. You could possibly be the victim of a scam here. Well, then why don't you come to the symposium and make $5 million? Are you worried about me? We should give a hug. You're worried about, oh, Mike. Oh, God bless you. Here's what we're worried about. We're worried that what you are doing is mistakenly or deliberately destroying the confidence in the legitimate elected president of the United States and fostering what could be you know real what? damage to this country? I never said anything bad about Biden or the Democrats. You ever? Have, you have never. You wrong. have through this investigation. through this no, investigation. No, I am not. You pull it up. This, you're lying now. You're lying. Mike, I said the to Democrats what I said. warned us. No, you're lying. No, I said the Democrat that, Party warned us. You're saying that Joseph Biden was what? illegitimately elected. I'm saying that China did an attack on our country and that the and that wrong the election, person won. That's right. The people who have watched your video believe what you say. 100% over If you're wrong, isn't that very dangerous? But I, yes, but I'm not wrong. I've checked it out. I've spent millions. You need to trust me and come there. Yeah, I trust them. Uh, Drew Griffin joins us now. Do you have any reason to believe that now after months of this, I mean, he has never offered proof of anything and there is no proof and it's been debunked it's like his support for sham remedies i mean he has a history right. and it just the conversation as you could tell anderson goes round and round in circles and i'm telling you after our discussion i'm not convinced mike lindell understands how voting works period let alone that he has proof of a massive voting conspiracy and like you say, he, he claims to have all these super secret sources, but he never shows those sources, never shows their proof. 
there's very good reason to believe all of this is linked to recycled conspiracy theories from the past, all completely discredited. Lindell says, no, this is new. He's paid millions to check it out. But, you know, as we've seen so far, it just does not hold up, period. So that was uh, Drew Griffin on CNN with Mike Lindell, the My Pillow guy, who, by the way, is having that that cyber symposium, is what it's called. Apparently, it is ongoing now. It's going to go on for seventy-two hours. It was delayed for some reason because at the beginning, because Mike Lindell says it was hacked. But he's going to continue with it and continue talking for seventy-two hours. So I thought we'd have a little bit of counter programming there. That said. <laughs> And I know I got to get to the GNR here very shortly, but uh, I see I privileged the lie even by playing that debunking of Mike Lindell. And that's one of the problems with all of this. Uh, You heard Drew Griffin there insisting that uh, these voting systems and tabulators are not connected to the Internet. That's actually not true. Mike Lindell says uh, that there was not a full audit done in the whatever the 15 counties were that he was citing. And he's right. These many of these ballots have never been checked by hand by anybody. So he is right on that point. But he is wrong to say that is proof that the election was hacked. Apparently on that, he has absolutely no proof, despite the name of his video called absolute proof. (laughs) Yeah, he seems to be uh, trapped in the fallacy of sunk costs. He has spent millions trying to prove this thing that is that he cannot prove, and he's going to continue spending millions until he can find somebody who will do it for him. Well, I just hope he has about 1.3 billion left over, because that's how much he may end up owing Dominion voting systems uh, from their lawsuit. All right, quick break, and we are back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Yeah, and if you think it was just another uh, slow summer news day uh, in in these United States, it was even slower at the UN this week and around the world as we are seeing apocalyptic scenes that, uh, Desi Doyen, you have been warning about for quite some time. Yep. As you do again in our latest Green News Report. I used to say that climate change is serious, certain and soon. But this is no longer accurate. Now it is very serious, very certain, and now. New UN climate report called Code Red for Humanity. Dixie Fire in California, now the largest in the United States and largest in state history. Plus, apocalyptic scenes from wildfires around the world demonstrate that climate change is already here. All of those apocalypses and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. And it is weird to hear news that sounds so genuinely good. It'd be really nice to get more of that once in a while, like no once-in-a-century weather events for the next few hours. Oh, that would be nice. This is your Green News Report. Billionaire goes to space and dies there. You know, something heartwarming. Okay, 
Okay, Desi Doyen, we knew this report was coming. We knew it was going to be bad. I guess what we didn't know is that it would come out amid all of these disasters going on around the world that seem to underscore this report. Indeed. Wildfires driven by heat and drought, for example, are erupting across the world. Greece is experiencing its most severe heat wave in 30 years, and that is triggering catastrophic wildfires. Surreal video taken from a ferry showing people fleeing a massive fire engulfing the Greek island of Evia looked like something out of a movie, but it was all too real. And not just surreal, but terrifying. Here in the U.S., California's Dixie Fire in northwestern California is now the largest fire in the country and the state's single largest fire in its history. It's already outpaced the massive bootleg fire in Oregon. State officials say the extent of this year's wildfires is nearly double that recorded this time last year. Heat and drought are fueling this wildfire threat and also are threatening the water supply. For the first time in its history, the major hydroelectric power plant at Lake Oroville has been taken offline because water levels have fallen below the minimum necessary to generate power. Against the backdrop of wildfires, catastrophic extreme floods, and deadly record heat waves, the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has published the first part of its sixth assessment report, which will form the cornerstone of climate science for years ahead. It arrives just months before the next major climate negotiations in Glasgow to pressure countries to increase their pledges to cut emissions under the Paris agreement. Right now, with current commitments, the world is on track to blow way past the agreement's goal of limiting warming to just two degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels, much less the harder target of meeting the 1.5 degrees Celsius aspirational goal that scientists say offers us the best chance at avoiding catastrophic climate outcomes. The UN here seems to be saying, great try on that agreement in Paris, but there is no foreseeable way of actually meeting those goals at this time on our current trajectory. The report summarizes the physical science basis for climate change, synthesizing the findings for more than 14,000 peer-reviewed studies. As expected, its conclusions are grim and show how close the world is to irreversible climate change. As UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres put it in a statement, the report is, quote, a code red for humanity. The alarm bells are deafening and the evidence is irrefutable. Other than that, no worries. The top takeaway, as Dr. Amanda Maycock of the University of Leeds told WBUR is that human activity is warming the planet, and that is affecting every corner of the Earth's land, sea, and air. It's unequivocal that human influence is the cause of the changes in the climate that we've observed, and also uh, a big update since the last uh, assessment that was in 2013 is that we can now link more concretely many of the extreme events that we're observing around the world, so extreme heatwave events, extreme rainfall events, to the warming that's occurred and human-induced climate change. Humans have already heated the planet by roughly 1.1 degrees Celsius, or 2 degrees Fahrenheit, over pre-industrial levels. Thanks to deniers and delayers funded by the fossil fuel industry that have blocked action, nations have delayed cutting fossil fuel emissions for so long that we are locked into some 30 years of worsening climate impact, no matter what the world does. Mm. The report also finds that changes are happening more quickly now than even in recent years. For example, the rate of sea level rise has roughly doubled since 2006. Even in the best-case scenario in which the world takes quick and far-reaching climate action, we are still likely to cross the 1.5 degrees Celsius temperature threshold within the next decade or two, at least temporarily. 
The other takeaway from this report is that there is still a window in which humans can prevent the most harrowing future, that the choices we make today will make a difference if world leaders enact an unprecedented shift away from fossil fuels and make other changes to society at large to cut emissions. Well, I don't see why they wouldn't. The bottom line is we do have the tools and we can bend the curve back in the right direction and avoid long-term truly catastrophic climate outcomes if we take action. Good luck to us for much more on all of these stories and the ones we didn't have the heart to get to today. Check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Today's theme is clearly elections have consequences. That is every day's theme. <laughs> that is always the theme. That is the idea that I wish people would start paying attention to. And by the way, uh, we will have more on the UN report, I think, on our next uh, delightful broadcast with a Nobel Prize winning climatologist. Yes. Is, is, is that right? Yep. Michael Dr. Mann? Michael Mann. He's coming? All yeah. right. We'll see. I look forward to that conversation, uh, sort of. Until then, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It's always appreciated. It's always an honor. Uh, thank God for what you guys are willing to put up with. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it for free anytime at bradblog.com, all of which is made possible by listeners like you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves and say damn near anything that we want, as long as the FCC doesn't object. Drop me an email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Bradblog. That's it. I'll see you there. Until we see you here next time tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.